Hello, this is Austin Bridges welcoming you to the LL Research Law of One podcast, episode number 91. LL Research is a nonprofit dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community, and towards this end has two websites the archive website llresearch.org and the community website bringforth.org. I'm joined today by Gary Bean and Jim McCarty. In this podcast, we discuss spiritual topics through the lens of the Law of One and our own personal experiences. We hope to only offer a resource and provide discussion, not to present ourselves as authorities with the final word on these subjects. Please exercise your utmost discernment while you listen to us ramble on. Many of these topics we discuss on the podcast come from questions sent in by seekers. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to discuss, please send it in. You can email them to us at contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Austin, and this is the LL Research Law of One podcast. Gary and Jim, you with me and ready to go? Yes and yes. And <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> All right. Uh, today, we have a question sent in by Jeremy, and it reads, Are blockages in the flow of light through our chakras the product of the mind alone? I was under the impression that it is our thinking alone that causes blockages. Therefore, it is changes in our thoughts that allow us to give attention to rejected parts of the self accept emotional resonances we previously blocked, release thought forms that keep us static, etc. But I, have I misapprehended Ra in attributing blockages solely to the mind complex, or are other factors in play? Which I think is a really fascinating question, especially given that we tend to see the energy body as something more physical, and blockage sounds like a very physical sort of thing. So... Um, just responding generally to his query, what do you think, Jim? I agree. I think there's a lot of information in there. And I would think that in most instances, I believe the statement would be correct that most of the balancing or blockages are in the mind. Uh, Ra made a point of saying that the thoughts of an entity, its feelings or emotions, and least of all its behavior are the signposts for the teach learning of self by self. They recommended that we look at our experiences of the day and note any inappropriate thoughts, behaviors, feelings, or emotions. Then they said that we could place these thoughts in the appropriate chakra or energy center. I have a hunch why the thoughts of the mind are so important to focus and balancing blockages is that they are the basis of all actions and because they reflect what's really going on in the seeker, whether the thoughts are ever manifested. Just noticing a thought seems to be enough to indicate that such a thought represented an area of distortion or blockage that would require our attention and balancing. But then when Ra was talking about healing with the pyramid, they suggested that perhaps blockages could be other than the mind as well. They said there are parts of this mind which block energies flowing to the body complex. And they went on to say, in each case, in each entity, the blockages may well differ. And in the next paragraph, they continued on with evidence that more than the mind was involved in blockages in the energy centers when they said, first, however, it is necessary to activate the sense of a spiritual channel or shuttle. Then whether the blockage is from spiritual to mental or from mental to physical, 
or whether it may simply be a random and purely physical trauma. Healing may then be carried out. So in these statements, Ra is describing how the mind, the body, and the spirit are all related, how they work together to bring the opportunities for balancing and removing blockages in our chakras. Their reference to needing to activate the spirit as a shuttle refers, I think, to the pyramid being used to heal the seeker of significant distortions, uh, blockages, or diseases. This would require the contact with intelligent infinity that would allow the higher self to become a part of the healing. I see such a healing as a kind of super course in balancing, where the equivalent of many years of balancing could be accomplished in a moment if the higher self agreed that the catalyst or blockage or disease had been appreciated to the degree that it was no longer needed. So those are my thoughts. Uh, what do you all think? It's a very thorough response. Very interesting, too. I had completely forgotten about um, Ra talking about these different sorts of blockages. Um, it makes me wonder how the role of the mind or how we grapple with like the spirit and the body if it's not through the mind, but it's a larger topic. Uh, Gary, do you have any thoughts on Jeremy's question? Yeah, I agree that it is a very interesting question and it got me to think in ways that I haven't previously. So it was a very fruitful research to explore this question. So for my first round of reply, I want to focus on the gist of Jeremy's question, which is asking like what, where within the mind-body-spirit complex blockage may occur and if it's strictly the mind or elsewhere. And he says that I was under the impression that it is our thinking alone that causes blockages. Therefore, it's changes in our thoughts that basically uh, free up the blockage. And thinking, depending on how one defines thinking, I think it is a more or less uh, accurate to say thinking, but I would expand that word to the mind complex itself. Because um, like, as Jim started out his answer, I see the mind complex as the central hub of this mind body spirit complex entity. And it is the mind complex that Ra indicates uh, may be the most distorted and where the most demanding work and healing takes place. And it's really where we um, store and process much of our sense of self and our felt experience with the world and our subconscious experience. Um, of the spirit complex, Ross says in 6.1 that the spirit complex is the least distorted. And in 19.20, they say that the spiritual aspect serving as a further complexity of fields, which is of itself perfect, but which can be realized in many distorted and unintegrated ways by the mind and body complexes of energy fields. 12.31 also connects to this. So they describe a spirit complex that is the least distorted and which is of itself perfect, but it's realized by the mind and body in distorted and unintegrated ways. So there's some interpretation needed there. And I'm going to add two more quotes to help with my interpretation. And from my perspective, it would seem that blockage within the spirit complex itself is not very likely. I don't want to say not possible because Ra does speak about spiritual pain in multiple places, 
I think rather the blockage occurs in the interface between the mind and the spirit or to the extent that that's possible, the body and the spirit. You know, the mind's a somewhat intermediary between spirit and body or it's mind and body together interacting with spirit. But anyways, it's this interface point where blockage can happen. Um, and two quotes, the first of which is actually what Jim was reading, 23.7. I have a slightly different take on it because in that quote, Ra says, so the healing, if it is to be effectuated, must be a funneling without significant distortion of the in-streamings through the spiritual complex into the tree of mind. So you have energy flowing from spirit into mind. Then Ra goes on to say, there are parts of this mind which block energy flowing to the body complex. So again, it's when spirit's coming into mind or mind's going into body, blockage may happen. Then in the second paragraph, they say, however, it is necessary to activate the sense of the spiritual channel or shuttle. Then whether the blockage is from spiritual to mental or from mental to physical, or whether it may simply be a random and purely physical trauma. Healing may then be carried out. So again, it seems to reinforce this notion of um, the blockage happening in the intersection between mind and spirit, or mind and body, rather than within the spirit itself. And then finally, in 51.5, Ra says, the mind complex has a relationship to the spirit and body complexes, which is not fixed. Um, it seems self-evident. Thus, blockage may occur betwixt spirit and mind or body and mind upon many different levels. Um, doo -doo -doo. And they go on to say, we reiterate that each energy center has seven subcolors, let us say, for convenience. Thus, spiritual slash mental blockages combined with mental slash bodily blockages may affect each of the energy centers in different ways. So again, leading me to the conclusion, which uh, is open to a revision or information to the contrary, that is not so much a blockages within the spirit complex itself, but rather the way that the mind interfaces with and interacts with and, and realizes the spirit complex. Um, yeah, and then to close, I'll say that in 30.2, Ra emphasizes that these three complexes, mind, body, and spirit, are, quote, inextricably intertwined and cannot continue one without the other. So um, they say they refer to the mind, body, spirit complex rather than to deal with them separately uh, because in our our experience is done through the quote interaction of these three components, not through anyone. That's also a very thorough response, and um, it's making me realize that maybe a clarification of what exactly we're talking about when we talk about blockages might be uh, useful because. Ra uses the term blockage. You both referenced uh, 23.7. They talk about the blockage uh, is from spiritual to mental or from mental to physical. In other scenarios, they talk about blockage in terms of like specific energy centers and energy centers in the body. So do you guys think that the blockages between spirit and mind and mind and body 
are the same blockages that then manifest within our energy center uh, complex. Jim, do you think they're like the same thing? Yeah, I would say that's probably the case. Um, I was just trying to think of a way to generalize this so that listeners could have a better chance of grokking it because this can become quite complex. I think that what's going on is that the evolution that we are undergoing is a mental process, but it's the, um, the spirit is the origination of consciousness or the mind. And the mind cannot evolve in any density without the body. So there's an interaction there that's necessary in order for learning to take place. And as 360 degree beings, we have all of this learning to do over a series of incarnations to, to, to reflect that, that we have all of these qualities that each energy center will um, contribute to um, with the survival and the interaction of intense relationships, one-to-one and groups and then heart and all of that. So we can all, we all do it individually, uniquely. And in any particular incarnation, whatever our needs are for the incarnation will be coming through from our spiritual or soul level, pre-incarnated choices, and will be reflected in the mind so that the mind can begin to work on these as they come, the uh, energies drawn through the, the uh, base chakra, the red, the intelligent energy, the prana, the white light. And according to how we've chosen pre-incarnatively to configure our energy centers, that light will be absorbed in some, will be blocked in others, it will pass through more or less. And we will then have an opportunity to notice the catalyst. It'll come in various kinds of catalyst. Our subconscious will give us a coloration or bias for everything that comes through. And we'll see things according to that bias. And in seeing and reacting and processing the catalyst, if we are successful, then there is no blockage. But if we don't quite perceive it just right, there's a good chance that it will be given to the body in some fashion to catch our attention that wasn't caught adequately before. So in all of this interaction here, we have the opportunity to move the energies up if we can remove the blockages that we have pre-incarnatedly programmed ourselves. And our success at doing that is uh, determined by how, how, how well we notice what we're being given by our subconscious mind and how well we process it. So I hope that made it simpler. <laughs> I think it did. That was an impressively clear sort of depiction of the process that we go through. Um, Gary, did you have any opinions on whether these blockages in our energy centers are the same as the blockages that uh, you're referring to between spirit and mind and mind and body or a response to Jim? Um, in response to your question, it, it's funny that you ask that because as I was doing some research in preparation for this podcast, I realized that um, my knowledge is very limited and fuzzy when it comes to how blockages between the mind, body, and spirit intersect with the energy centers themselves. And I actually wrote out a question on uh, pretty much as you asked it to ask Quo, 
um, at an upcoming channeling when things resume. But in short, I would say that yes, blockages between mind and spirit or mind and body must necessarily show up in some way or be able to be mapped by the energy centers themselves. And if I try to think of one concise example, it might be what Ra describes as a blockage within the indigo ray. Because the indigo ray is the uh, gateway to intelligent infinity. It's the uh, you know, full activation of the spirit complex so that it may function as a shuttle channel or a pathway into intelligent infinity. So spirit complex must be very present and alive at the indigo ray. Yet one can experience a blockage which manifests as a sense of unworthiness um, an unworthiness that fails to recognize the self as the creator and the self as perfect as the self is, as whatever the particular distortions. So I would think then that this ray would hold the space for a blockage between, or rather this ray would, um, if blocked, be a blockage of the mind's miscomprehension of the spirit or the mind's inability to fully uh, experience the spirit complex, which would manifest as a sense of sacred worthiness. Yeah, uh, this is a very difficult thing to parse, but I do think there's um, a, a hint in 49.5, uh, Ra, it's sort of a complicated response, but I'll read it and see if it helps uh, to make sense of things. Part of their response, they say, it is correct that there is a correlation between the energy field of an entity of your nature and planetary bodies, for all material is constructed by means of the dynamic tension of the magnetic field. The lines of force in both cases may be seen to be much like the interweaving spirals of the braided hair. Thus, positive and negative wind and interweave, forming geometric relationships in the energy field of both persons, as you would call a mind-body-spirit complex and planets. And I can't remember specifically elsewhere they refer to this sort of uh, interface between the spirit, the mind, and the body as being electromagnetic in nature as well. So I do think that as there is this sort of electromagnetic um, interweaving uh, sort of totality that is our mind-body-spirit complex, those uh, become distorted and then I guess manifest then as uh, energy center blockages. That's my best guess. Um, to respond to, or I guess to offer my own thoughts to Jeremy's question, I really liked your clarification, Gary in uh, talking about the mind complex in general instead of just um, thinking and changing thoughts because I think there you can sort of broaden the function of the mind complex to go beyond just the uh, ability to think. Um, and it seems like in that 23.7 quote that we were talking about, the mind is really central as both of you were sort of pointing out, really central to this because they talk about the blockage from spiritual to mind or spiritual to mental or mental to physical. So it, 
it's putting the mental aspect between those two things. And I think that is really key is that the mind is what any blockage has in common, whether it is on the spiritual end or the physical end. It's still the mind that grapples with that. Um, and a quick response to his uh, question about whether there are other factors that can create blockage. Um, taking into account that the mind is how we grapple with it, I do think there are certain things that can help manifest blockage in our lives. Uh, and I think about uh, the idea of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's sort of a developmental model where there's certain levels of needs that an entity needs met before it's able to progress along a certain developmental path. And so if our basic survival needs are met, then we can't progress beyond a survival mindset, uh, according to this idea, this theory. And so I do think that there can be circumstances or physical attributes of our environment that can sort of help create blockages. But uh, as we're talking about, I think it's really the mind that still grapples with that environment. And perhaps in any situation, the mind can sort of transcend the environment, but there's still this uh, very basic, I think, general idea that our ability to just enter a mindset where we can grapple with our catalyst is affected by our environment directly. Um, so we have some follow-up questions in terms of Jeremy's initial question, but did either of you have any thoughts to bounce off of there? Um, I think I'd like to try to get some idea of how the spirit may be providing us with the basics of the reality of uh, creation and then how we could be working with that in a distorted fashion as blockages. The basic principle is well, we are all one. Each self is an other self. There is love in every moment. One can learn from every experience. So I think when the mind then begins to take these general concepts and divide them up according to the energy centers, that if we have a difficulty with one other person, maybe it's a difficulty in perceiving what the spirit has to offer as that other person being the same as ourself. If we're not treating each other, this is the same. If we have uh, distortions of uh, not being able to communicate uh, clearly with them or to work with them or to perceive them as the same as ourself and engage in separation types of behaviors, then I think that's one way that the offerings of the spirit could be distorted by the mind. And then if they're not worked with uh, sufficiently with the mind, then be given to the body. Uh, I think that can be done with all of the basic principles that are the nature of reality. Uh, so that, that was just one, one comment. I wanted to try to make it more real into how it might work in our lives. Yeah, I like that. The role of the spirit can be very elusive when thinking about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Gary, any follow-up thoughts? Yeah, I think I have a reply to Jim's. Before I do, a couple of quick replies to you. You were talking about how some blockages may be purely environmental. And in, at the end of 23.7, which is a quote we've referenced a few times now, 
uh, Ra says about blockage, that whether it's from spiritual to mental or mental to physical, or whether it, it may simply be a random and purely physical trauma. So um, <clears throat> I think the origin of most blockage is going to be um, mental, mental, emotional, but um, there are things that are just purely physical. Maybe you were expo exposed to pollutants and that blocks something in your uh, endocrine system or so forth. So there's that reply. You were also talking about um, electromagnetic fields and in 19.20, Ra describes all three complexes in those terms. The physical complex alone is created of many, many energy or electromagnetic fields interacting. Um, same with mental and same with spiritual. So just if the reader okay. is curious. And then to Jim's question, it got me thinking and I only have little hints of insight as to either where Jim may have been headed or what the nature of reality is. But um, it seems that the work with mind and body proceed spirit sequentially. Um, this Ra emphasizes how the spirit complex only becomes activated when mind and body have been sufficiently cleared and balanced. So in that clearing and in that balancing, you know, each of the energy centers seriatim, red, orange, yellow, green, upward, are cleared and balanced. And then the spirit channel becomes activated and the roots of mind, as Ra calls it, are uh, funneled into contact with intelligent infinity and then in infinity itself through the spirit complex channel funnels downward into the roots of the mind body entity so um i think like if i'm understanding jim it's as if like spirit gives us a clear vision and experience of what is what is true which it has qualities as Jim was describing, oneness and love inherent in any mo every moment, and really the the eternity and present nowness of every seeming illusory moment. And it's through the eyes or the spirit of vehicle that we realize that. So um, each distortion of mind and body on the pathway to activating spirit is. Uh, this is where I'm going to get tongue tied. Is is like a preface or a preliminary or a pre-spirit way of of recognizing what spirit teaches us. Uh, not making the progress that I wanted to, but we so like say at yellow ray we can um, distort this incoming energy through mind and body, but when we begin to activate an open yellow ray, allow the energy further upward and then we eventually activate the spirit channel, then spirit can reveal to us the highest, truest vision of yellow ray, so forth. So like mind and body are these um, pre-spirit points. That's the best I can make of it with my head right now. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Um, moving on, we've sort of danced around this question a little bit, but if either of you have a more direct response, um, what creates blockages and how can we then clear blockages? Jim, did you have a response to that one? Well, I think what creates blockages is um, what we determine pre-incarnatively are the lessons we need to learn. Um, for myself, for example, I um, wanted to learn how to increase the compassion in my life. So I uh, 
did what uh, Dr. Michael Newton calls uh, opposites programming. I programmed a lack of compassion for myself. So I got angry when I made little mistakes and it took a long time to accept myself. So I think we, we do things like that. Uh, where the, and all of the choices we make can be looked at by each energy center. Uh, if we haven't been able to get past yellow, then we're, we're stuck down there in the lower three and we deal with uh, survival, one-to-one uh, -one relationships. Sorry about that. I thought that was on mute. Um, we deal with one-to-one -one relationships. We deal with groups. Um, and we try to find harmony where there is disharmony. And if we are conscious seekers, we begin to consciously think about these disharmonies in our lives and what we really want. And once we make a decision that we're looking for harmony, we're looking for love, we're looking for service, then I think that's when we become conscious of this process. And we program more of these pre-incarnated choices ourselves. And we have as our goal getting into the heart chakra. So that we have a response of unconditional love to whatever catalyst comes our way. Whereas in the lower chakras, we're dealing with uh, things in groups and how we feel with identifying um, an expanded view of our orange ray into a yellow ray. How, how do we blend our energies? Are there disharmonies we find that carry over so that we have to use the, the uh, orange ray with various people in our groups? Um, there's all kinds of ways of using this catalyst, but the purpose of it all is to, right here in this illusion, this third density, is to try to get into the heart and become conscious seekers. So I hope I addressed your question there. I think you did. Gary, did you have any thoughts on that one? Indeed. So what creates blockages? How Did you ask how we can clear them too? Yeah, that's a dual oh, question. I forgot that part. That's, we'll come back Are to you. So what creates blockages? I think um, there's a couple levels to look at that. One is, I'm sorry, I'm far back from the mic. Uh, one is uh, the pre-incarnational level, uh, which Jim was describing really well, and the incarnate level. And um, blockage can happen in both places, though on the pre-incarnational level, one is intelligently designing their upcoming incarnation to have certain blockages in order to elicit certain lessons. And then on the incarnational level, what creates blockages uh, can be tackled a couple different ways, I think. One is to say an inefficient use of catalyst creates blockage. Um, catalyst in that every second of every day we are receiving catalysts of some form, whether it's arising within from the unmanifested self or the primary mechanism of catalyst is delivering catalyst to us, that being the other self or the environment or the societal self, we're all being greeted with catalysts. And uh, if we can efficiently use that catalyst, which for the positive polarity would be to love and accept that catalyst, <clears throat> some of the hardest of all things to do, then likely we are not going to create blockages within ourselves. But um, practically no one on planet Earth greets all catalysts with love and acceptance. Instead, catalyst creates difficulties within us. We respond to catalysts instead 
with some form of resistance or um, animosity or negativity, or even just total overwhelming inability to process catalyst, which we call trauma. And this is happening from age zero onward when we are least equipped <laughs> to uh, respond adequately to catalyst. So in our inefficient use of catalyst, we are um, distorting our energies and blocking the flow of the creator's love light or cosmic prana through the South Pole and into our system because in, in our inefficient use of catalyst or our non-loving responses of catalyst, we are creating little beliefs beliefs about who we are, beliefs about what reality is, what the nature of the world is, what our purpose is, and so forth. The belief may be that uh, I am ugly, or people are threatening, or um, <clears throat> or I, on the flip side, I uh, need to exercise my power by dominating other people, or I need to behave this particular way in order to get love, um, so on and so forth. And these beliefs are like programs operating in our beingness. These programs are either rejecting the creator's love and light, AKA blocking it or distorting it or directing it in some fashion. And these programs are also little stories within ourselves, stories about who, what we believe that we are. And this is, I think, intersects with the power of affirmation and the power in that um, affirmation is a way of telling the self a new story. Like, I deserve to be loved, or I have love to give other people, or I am beautiful, whole, and complete in and of myself. It's a way of reprogramming, of telling oneself a new story, of taking on new beliefs. It's just that those beliefs aren't don't exist simply at the level of the thinking conscious mind. Those beliefs go down deep into the programming below the veil where they are invisible to us and, but nevertheless still operating. So in short, these beliefs or stories we tell about ourselves that arise out of our lived experience through this life and through past lives as well, block the energy in various ways. So on the path of coming to know the self, we are coming to know these various programs operating within ourselves and these various stories and beliefs. And I won't get into how to clear blockages further in order to stop now and give more space. Yeah, that was a really excellent uh, explanation of how blockages form sort of within the incarnation. Um, so bouncing it back to you, Jim, how can we clear blockages? Well, I think, like I said, most people who really want to work in a spiritual fashion are going out of their way to make amends when they feel disharmony. Uh, not everybody knows about Ra's balancing process. That is, uh, as far as the law of one goes, the way to handle blockages and catalysts. When you're aware of how the blockage manifests in your life, then you attempt to balance it so that you see it as it experiences, you experience it, and it's the opposite as being part of your being. And you accept yourself for having both of them. Um, and I think that's a 
concept that might be hard for a lot of people who are not familiar with the law of one to realize that it's okay to have these blockages and to work with them and to accept yourself for having them and to realize it's part of who you are. It's not that you have to be that all the time. If you decide that you don't want to uh, look at certain types of people antagonistically, or if you decide you want to be more harmonious, then those can be a part of your being that you accept. You don't have to continue pursuing either one, really, as long as the final result is learning to love yourself and others that were in this relationship. So eventually, you come to see that you are uh, more and more a whole being. You're the creator. <laughs> You're the universe. And that's the end of a very long path. Ra themselves are <laughs> still working on various balances. I'm sure that they are able to see themselves more as a creator than we do, um, than we see ourselves as a creator. But I think that's the whole process. It's just working with whatever is in your daily life, not letting it slide by, not uh, just, uh, well, I can't figure that out, so I'll just move on. You know, giving it conscious attention, however you do it. You, I don't think it has to be as refined as Ra's balancing, but I do think it needs to eventually result in accepting yourself and others as, as being the same, as being the creator. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought that I actually think about a lot. Um, this idea that the law of one gives us such sophisticated tools and a very well fleshed out perspective that helps us grapple with these things. But it's not necessary exactly to, you know, grow spiritually. There can be people who aren't necessarily. Uh, spiritual in the sense that they define themselves as spiritual and they have a dedicated spiritual practice. I think something that's important in this idea about uh, clearing blockages is that, you know, healing, which is what I guess this essentially is, is um, most primarily just a very simple central act of will to decide that it's something you want to do. And I think in terms of somebody who's never heard of the law of one, it's just a simple decision to follow a path of love. And from that one simple decision, there come the many challenges to that uh, decision of basically the universe saying, okay, you want to love, now can you love this? And you <laughs> learn how to love that. And the universe says, okay, now can you love this? And so it's sort of just this, this initial decision that you want to love uh, then plays out into us clearing blockages and growing as beings. And um, you were talking about sort of uh, deciding to accept yourself and clear these blockages as an internal reflection. And I think it's important, that's an important perspective, that this is an internal process, but also to highlight the fact that a lot of that internal process is reflected by what we perceive and uh, by other selves. And when we look at other selves and we see things that we feel like we can't love and we can't accept, that then becomes uh, sort of a challenge to our love to look inward 
and identify those things that are being reflected in the other self because they are us and we are them. And it's uh, our decision that we have made to then love that and in meeting that challenge and consciously deciding to attempt to continue that path of love that you made a decision to follow, I think is sort of that process. And one tool I think that isn't the law of one, but is sort of a spiritual tool that I think is very helpful for this is just the simple idea of mindfulness because mindfulness teachings essentially uh, challenge you to observe both your internal world and your out external world and to then just allow them to just let them be as they are and just accept that this is you, this is the world. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't then try to do better or then try to change or make the world better, but it is a moment in which you just observe the universe as it is and just accept it and just let it be as an observer of it and not necessarily as a participant in that moment. Um, yeah. Uh, Gary, do you have any thoughts on how to clear blockages? Yeah, and a quick prelude to the clearing part. Actually, I have little to say on clearing because you guys have spoken to it so well. I'll have a couple of quick highlights. But um, prior to getting to that point, I wanted to quickly break down what Ross says are some of the major blockages of the seven energy centers. And I can go through it pretty quickly without having to do verbatim. So in 15.12, Ross says of Orange Ray that blockage will often demonstrate itself as personal eccentricities or you know, distorted understanding of self by the self. Yellow ray blockages will often manifest as distortions toward power manipulation of others, which Ross says is closer to what um, you know, we see as ego. They say of green ray that blockages may manifest in difficulties expressing what we may call universal love or compassion. In blue ray, blockages um, rather those blocked in this area may have difficulty in grasping themselves and in communicating themselves and also uh, may have difficulty accepting communication from others. Uh, indigo ray, those blocked here may uh, experience a lessening of intelligent energy due to a sense of unworthiness. Violet ray, they said, don't doesn't really get blocked around black. So uh, there's a huge range of complex thoughts and stories about the selves and, and experiences and, and difficulties that can go into any one of those energy centers and create those sorts of blockage, blockages. That's just a, a basic sort of schematic. But then you have the balances that happen between those centers, whereby a, a blockage can be experienced in one center that causes an overcompensation in another center. For instance, Ra described how uh, Carla due to being blocked in the indigo ray and experiencing a sense of unworthiness was, they didn't use the word compensate. That's how I read it. Carla was attempting to overcompensate by an overactive green ray that was leading towards martyrdom. She was trying to solve this issue of unworthiness that was a blockage of the indigo ray, not by seeing the self as perfect as she was, uh, perfect in essay, uh, essay, but rather she would achieve perfection by uh, loving 
uh, and expending herself, even unto the point of death was always the, the risk for Carla that she would follow the path of martyrdom. So there's just a quick example of the way balance is working too in blockage. And in terms of how to clear it, uh, I think Jim hit the nail on the head in talking about um, love and acceptance. I mean, that is, that is how the positively polarizing entity makes positive use of catalysts, loving and accepting the catalyst, loving and accepting the self. And then um, Jim and both of you were talking about the role of conscious intention in that process. Ra also describes how uh, only catalyst is only processed through conscious intention. So which means like bringing awareness to what's occurring in your life, asking yourself questions about it, looking at it, or as Austin described, uh, becoming an observer through the practice of mindfulness as a means to create some distance between the self and catalyst and watch what's actually at play. And then um, finally, Ra says this this merges both the loving and accepting of catalyst and the clearing of blockage. In this one quote, Ra says of Yellow Ray that each entity must, in order to completely unblock Yellow Ray, love all which are in relationship to it with hope only of the other selves, joy, peace, and comfort. Um, which is also an interesting segue into noting that negative entities are intentionally blocking their energy centers uh, in order to experience the path of that which is not the path of darkness, in order to not see the creator in all things. Primarily, they are blocking the heart center, seeking to shut that puppy down to its fullest extent, just close it, omit it from the energy spectrum. And then they're blocking the yellow ray and the orange ray in order to experience um, domination over others and to see themselves as superior. And then due to blocking their own energy, blocking the creator's energy, they have an insatiable uh, hunger or need for the energy of other people that they, you know, quote unquote, steal or trick away or um, gain through enslavement and subjugation. So positive entity seeking to unblock, negative entity seeking more and more blockage. I have a quick question there on that. I, I know that's exactly what Ross says, that they don't use the green ray energy center, they see it's just folly. But I would think they would use it to love themselves. Wouldn't that be necessary? My understanding is that it's the the negative manifestation of orange and yellow that is the love of, of a, the exclusive love of self, whereas green ray necessarily includes universal love and love of others. Blocked okay. orange and yellow ray is negative love of self. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, one more quick question, if you don't mind. Uh, on the orange ray, part of the orange ray is the um, self-conscious understanding or acceptance of self. Now, how does that differ, would you say, from the uh, seeing the self as worthy as the creator in the indigo ray? There's a, you know, between orange and indigo, there's a lot of area of work. What is the acceptance of self that occurs in the orange ray? 
That's a really good question. It was one I was contemplating during a concept guide, and I don't know that I understand it fully. I'd be interested in hearing what you guys have to say, but just a rough sketch. The understandings of self that take place in Orange Ray, I think, are concerned more with the outer nature. Um, you know, the, the, the biographical self, the, the self that's raised by parents, the, the self that can see itself in a mirror, um, that sort of daily experience and the ways that one cannot love that self according to the standards of society that one internalizes and thus feel deficient or uh, broken or distorted relative to other people, relative toward the ideas we have in our head about who the self may be. Whereas the, the indigo acceptance of self and indigo sense of worthiness is um, much more elevated in terms of seeing the whole self, the whole package, all every single distortion that somebody may have, the light and the dark within them, their entire experience as being literally perfect, uh, un, inviolably perfect and whole and complete and a manifestation of the creator. And it is through that vision of the self that the gateway becomes opened. That's my rough sketch. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. So the orange race, more like transactional analysis. I'm okay. You're okay. Hmm. Good <laughs> word for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think another sort of a way to look at it in the same and just different terms is like the orange ray it's much more basic uh sort of understanding of the self that ends at the barrier of our bodies and essentially like we understand that we are a being this is who we are this is what we like this is what we don't like and it just is this acceptance that you know we exist and this is who we are and this is how we are and then the indigo ray acceptance of self is the uh, understanding of the self as not just this being that exists within this small context, but the infinite creator self mm -hmm. that is, uh, has a context that is universal and infinite rather than just this self-contained being within this very small context. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Way to put it. Um, there's, there's just tons of interesting things to talk about in everything you just said, but I think in favor of time, uh, we can probably move to the last portion of our show. And I was thinking that we could each share a little bit about our personal experiences with blockages, what we experience, how we deal with it, and just our general relationship with it. Um, do you want to start us off there, Jim? Well, um, <laughs> y'all have heard this before. You're bored by now, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, the only one that I could particularly specify is uh, the acceptance of myself um, so that I'd learn how to love myself. And it would have to be at the green ray energy level. But the way that I got there was um, through the red ray, actually, the, the, the folly of anger is what Ra calls it. <laughs> when I was... Uh, Planning this incarnation, apparently, I decided the way I wanted to generate more love and compassion was to program the opposite. And that happens a lot with people. Um, they want to learn how to become self-sufficient so they get themselves in a position where they're dependent on others and they have to work their way out of it. So my anger myself was um, expressed in um, breaking things when I made a mistake. 
fumbled or cut a line crookedly with a saw or bent a nail when I was hammering, whatever, I was likely to break the hammer or whatever. And uh, that that just lasted so, so long. I thought, am I ever going to get over this? You know, because I knew even while it was going on that it wasn't the thing I wanted to do, but it did not feel like there was anything else that I could do. This was programmed and I was an automaton and I was doing what I was told. But eventually that one night, after uh, you know, breaking my computer and getting into bed and thinking, oh, I just did it again. I broke my monitor and now it's can't use it. And I thought, what if I could accept myself at this very moment at the pit of despair? And it worked. It worked. <laughs> 68 years and finally it worked. So I don't... I don't use as much uh, super glue and tape and stuff anymore. You know, I don't break things. So uh, the world's a better place now. <laughs> things in the world are happier and I'm happier. So that's the way it works. Except for our stock prices on super glue. Unless <laughs> yeah. demand now. Yeah, um, they were depending on me. How about you, Gary? Yeah, so it's... Um not always easy for me to map where my distortions are located in the energy centers, but I try to create a sort of schematic. It's actually kind of illuminating. So uh, blockages on the red ray level, and I've had an ongoing question about whether and how red ray can be blocked. Just some information that's not clear to me, but if indeed red ray can at all be blocked, I have experienced, have had experiences of being deeply deeply tired, like soul level, no vital energy, um, sort of tired. And maybe that has nothing to do with red ray. I don't know. But um, I've had experiences in my early 20s of being numb, like just I non-feeling, which seems like it could be connected to red ray. And two, in the same period of chronic fatigue, numbness, uh, being cut off from my sexuality as well, having little to no desire there. Uh, this was during my awakening and transitioning from a life asleep to uh, the conscious life and the death of one identity and the birth of another. Orange ray, personal eccentricities and understandings of self. Um, this probably overlaps with yellow ray in certain senses, but I definitely have a quirk or a tick, of, uh, which would be, I think, fall under Ra's category of personal eccentricities about appearance. Um, like what I'm wearing, how I look, and that's connected to uh, will others love me? Will I be accepted or rejected by others? But um, it's something I've gotten more relaxed with over the years, but still before I leave the house, uh, <laughs> it's not easy for me just to throw something on and not think about what I'm going to wear. Or more, more potently, less trivially, I should say, uh, self-doubt. I can have really intense experiences of, um, on one hand, of feeling the pendulum swing to a sense of, of radiation and I'm on top of things and I'm killing it and, uh, and I'm in my zone and then the pendulum swings back and I just contract into really painful self-doubt. And I can have these visceral, overwhelming experiences of feeling uh, sometimes shame. I don't know where shame come from, comes from, but it arises in me. 
uh, lameness. I, <laughs> that is the best word I have for it. But I just feel I just ooze lameness. Like I'm part of me. I'm just feeling like I'm so lame <laughs> or stupid too. So there's these negative voices inside of me. Uh, yellow ray, not always feeling my power um, in groups or feeling like the power or voice or expression rest with with other people. Um, because whatever criteria they are more intelligent or funnier or better at dribbling the ball i don't know and green ray definitely not always feeling universal love like in the abstract i love all human beings but then i get blinded by separation as ra would have it uh, in response to specific behaviors of or people's way of beingness. And then I'm not feeling love in my heart. I'm feeling instead judgment or criticism. Or... Same with towards myself, which is why like the heart is kind of is all connected to the lower chakras because these lower the, the heart blockages I think all have roots in the lower chakras. And then finally uh Blu-ray um one way this manifests for me as a blockage in my blue ray is in terms of uh, Ra says that those blocked in this ray may have difficulty accepting communication from other people. And I definitely experienced that. And without any, you know, even in the event of casual friendly conversation, there, there needn't be any attack from the other person or ill intent even just if the communication is ineffective as I perceive it from the other person or confused or tangled or unclear, I can start to get really frustrated because I want them to speak in a way <laughs> that is uh, much more effective as, as I would define it. And I would guess that that is likely a, a blockage of Blu-ray, but I think I'm pretty strong at understanding myself you know, with the candlelight and the darkness and uh, integrating that self and, and speaking that self, though I get tongue tied and tripped up over myself a lot due to lower center blockages, I think, and the mechanics of talking. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, considering blockages in like every single center like that, I'm positive that uh, I have similar to what you described, Gary. I think you and I are similar in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess a, a different angle that I'll talk about is sort of just how these things can be really long-term and it can be a process that uh, unfolds over a lifetime of experience. While healing is always available in a moment, I think a lot of times healing can also just take time and require us to experience new catalysts and continue accepting it. Um, I've had in my life a perpetual blockage. Um, I would say yellow ray, you know, Gary, you were saying the yellow and orange ray, they can seem pretty yeah. um, confused, interconnected. The way that I typically make that distinction is yellow ray is relating to uh, groups and whether it's an immediate group or just a sort of a, an abstract social group. Um, I've just always had a difficulty fitting in with groups. When I was very young, um, I can distinctly remember as an adult, uh, I can look back and just pinpoint parts where I was this young child just struggling so hard to understand what I was supposed to do as 
a member of this group and how I was supposed to interact with these people and not knowing how and not being able to, and then experiencing sort of the rejection because of that, because when you don't know how to interact with a group, uh, you, they don't accept you in, you know, they, they can't accept you in. there's no interface mm -hmm. for them to connect with you. And so whether or not they intend to, there's a rejection and more than likely, if you're a young child, it is intentional that they will reject you. And so that sort of imprinted on me and whether that's something that I planned pre-incarnatively or it's just sort of a random circumstance of my environment, it's lasted throughout my lifetime where I has have this, uh, struggle just connecting with and relating to groups. I don't have a very strong social identity. There's not um, many, I guess what you could say, tribes that I feel that I belong to. Um, you know, a lot of people, they have various tribes. They connect with others based on hobbies or things like sports teams and things like that. And um, I don't really have that sort of social identity. And, uh, but in the past few years, I have it, uh, been able to accept that catalyst for what it is. And I can feel how that sort of unblocks the uh, energy center. I don't necessarily feel like I have the strong capacity to relate in a group sense, but in experiencing the catalyst of that inability and the catalyst of the social sort of pain that came from that, I can feel that energy being freed up to where even if I don't have that capacity, if I don't have like the strong crystallized yellow ray, the energy can still move through it to access like higher energy centers. And it allows me to, you know, accept myself for who I am, where I am, accept others for who they are, where they are, despite any lack of social interface and social identity that um, I struggle with. So that's sort of a more specific example of how one center can be blocked from certain things, in my view, anyways. But whether you uh, feel it or not, or block it or not, you're part of our tribe. <laughs> Thank we you. accept you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> that, uh, that does mean a lot. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the topic of blockages for this podcast? <laughs> not for me all right uh, about uh, any final words for our listeners jim yes we hope that you have enjoyed hearing about how blockages in our chakras occur and can be dealt with in these turbulent times of worldwide pandemic and demonstrations for racial equality let us all be sure to keep our heart chakras fully open as a means of providing a path for everyone to discover that we are all one you have been listening to LL Research's Law of One podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more from LL Research at llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. And thank you, Jim and Gary, for contributing your thoughts to today's topic. If you've got a question or topic you'd like for us to discuss, please read the instructions at www.llresearch.org slash podcast. We love you all and we'll talk to you next time.